ING on air. Why AI is shaping our world. Welcome. Good to have you with me. I'm Liao Wang, your host for this ING on air podcast series on the future of banking at ING. And what better location to speak with the key players in the field of fintech and innovation than here at Money 2020? You think you know about banking? You might think banking today is machines and algorithms making decisions about your mortgage rate. Algorithms are supporting bankers, but in surprisingly human ways. Gorkam Koseglu, head of artificial intelligence and robotics at ING Global, is here with me. So Gorkem, where did it start for you? I'm a computer scientist by origin. I studied computer science back in the 90s. I did my major in machine learning at that point in time, which was a lot about uh, math and, and, and you know theories around machine learning. Then I basically turned a technology consultant and a banker. And I, uh, since a year, I'm running the analytics in range. Um, and this function didn't exist a year ago, did it? Yeah, correct. So we established this function back in October 2018. Uh, obviously, analytics is not new to an organization like ING. We use a lot of data and analytics, especially in areas such as risk, but also in marketing. But um, um, at that point, ING realized the need to basically um, um, consolidate all these separate activities happening in different parts of the organization around data and data analytics uh, with the objective to, well, create more visibility, transparency, and also more value out of it, um, but also create the community, the big community around data and science analytics so that we, you know, we do more of, the, of, of, the, of this as a core function in, in the banking. A second objective we have is really um, um, being the lead for transformation in the organization for improving data literacy for overall organization. Uh, because we also realize that this, the, uh, the, the data-based organization or data-driven organization transformation cannot be just driven by the data scientists and data engineers. So we need to involve more and more people of the, of, right. from the company. And you play an example role in that too, it sounds like. Um, yeah, and also we are establishing the, the, uh, the foundational capabilities for that. So we launched Data uh, Academy, um, uh, really training you know, all our colleagues, two, 3,000 people every year around mm -hmm. you know, what is data, what are the algorithms, how to work with a data scientist, what is a use case, and how can you basically uh, uh, do the change management of the, of the data living use cases. We are also launching a, a communication campaign and change management campaign called Analytics for All to really uh, yeah, show the examples of you know, what it can mean for everybody's business in right. a bank. Uh, and also communicate and involve people in more in the community. So this is a this is a broad uh, change management program. Yeah. So that's kind of our two missions. One is really improving what we do from a value delivery perspective, and secondly, to to do the change management for the whole organization. And and since you started this job, maybe just under a year ago, what was the biggest surprise that you've run run into? I think the big surprise is just the sheer amount of new ideas and use cases coming from all different areas. Um, when we established the organization, we established around what we call the centers of expertise. These are like functional domain areas within a bank, so like credit risk, non-financial risk, like pricing. Mm -hmm. Really with the idea that these, these areas will be, they are the core functions of a bank and they can be really changed and driven by analytics. And, and I thought it will take some time to basically identify what can be really done in those areas, but now we have like more than 120 cases in the backlog. 40 of them are running in parallel, so so there is just simply a lot of stuff coming in. Everyone wants you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's great. I, people see the the opportunity. I think, and and um, and one of our objectives was really to generate more by doing less. So, if it's really focusing on those things that we, that can create value and that we can scale, 
And I think when we come, uh, we are going, you know, really good there. So I think we, we, we right, managed to identify the right value buckets uh, for each of those nine areas, and we are you know, clear on what are the objectives. Right, because when you say generate more by doing less, yeah. where do you see the highest potential for AI in, in a banking context? It is, I mean, it's starting from customer interactions and how we interact with customers to customer dialogue again the chatbots and voice bots and all those areas to all the way to the core functions of the bank being the credit risk and non-financial risk but also treasury uh, also in operation so it's, it's across the board if you ask me where is the highest potential i mean that defines that depends on how we define the potential if you want monetary value right it's, it's bottom line impact it's mostly coming from areas of risk and customer interactions if you talk about risk avoidance and really managing the, the, the operational risk for our customers in a better way, that's coming from uh, things like the KYCs and the uh, fraud and uh, anti-money laundering kind of areas, uh, but also for our, our colleagues and employees, so how we can better use uh, analytics for people analytics, what we call also basically identifying what makes a team more effective than others, uh, what makes a good performance management system, uh, what makes a good recruiting model, so those kind of things also, also improve across the board. Uh, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, in this year that you've been doing this, how far do you feel that you've come? Like, how advanced is ING in this area? I think there's a long way that we that we can go as banks. Uh, on one hand, I think if I compare ING as you know the big incumbent organizations, I think we are really in a good shape. Uh, in setting up the, the structures and, and, and building the capabilities and the resources for, and also the vision and the mission that we have around this area. Um, but we, if you want to really come to an organization that's re- driven by analytics and AI, there is a lot more that we need to do. And we really want to come to a point where each of these nine areas that I mentioned that we have, you know, few scalable models that are really at the core of the organization where all the day-to-day decision makings are done by using you know, machine learning and, and analytics-based models uh, at a scalable fashion, and that teams are continuously working on improving those models. Right, so, so, so is so that... So that is the dream, that's the end goal, and, and yeah, I think we have some, some, some way to get there. Yeah. yeah, so the North Star is every decision here is made based on some kind of data at least. Yes, yes, models or data. So it can be, you know, uh, uh, and, and again, it doesn't have to be machine learning models. It doesn't have to be, you know, AI. Right. But um, um, uh, taking data and database decision making at the core of everything that we do. So when you think about this past year that you've been in this new job, what is one of the things that you're really proud of that you and your team accomplished? Um, yeah, I think one of the examples is 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 in consumer lending area um, uh, where we are using machine learning random forest kind of techniques for making credit decisions uh, for our customers or non-customers as well. Um, and, you know, traditional banks are using things like the scorecards and rule-based systems around this area. And, and uh, the teams have started working on a, a more advanced model where we can classify the transactions of our customers or really people who are non-customers of ING but who are willing to apply for a loan from ING. Um, and by using uh, uh, machine learning, we can classify transactions much better uh, and really increase the approval rates, uh, which means basically on average more customers have access to credit facilities. And for us as well, by better classifying um, you know, uh, customers who are not eligible for a credit uh, uh, or high-risk customers, we really improved our um, financial returns in this area. So now um, we really want to 
scale it up across different countries and, and use it as the core model for consumer lending. These kind of capabilities combined with uh, frictionless banking uh, is really valuable. Uh, we see examples of that again on consumer lending area. We have the processes where we can, uh, you know, without any documentation online, you can apply for a consumer lending, complete the whole process end to end. But also recently, um, um, we applied in non-banking products as well. So we, together with our insurance partner, AXA, um, we have a process now where we can really simplify the uh, insurance application process. So really going down from you know 70 plus questions and forms to few questions, online assessment, uh, you know individualized price decisions and on your policies, and again really make it like easier and frictionless for our customers. Right, and and that basically means that people who didn't have access to a loan before do now because you are getting better at predicting who should get a loan and who shouldn't and you're making it making it easier for them too absolutely absolutely yes so our again our approval rate which basically means you know how many of the customers apply are getting a loan access to a loan is really increased but together with our risk cost which is basically for you know the customers not paying their uh, loans that's also decreasing so it's, it's basically benefiting both the customers and the bank yeah. And and if that's your north star, what do you feel is your your biggest achievement up until now? So I think our biggest achievement up in the past year is really defining the north star for each of these domains. Right? So I think coming to that vision and what is the art of possible in each of these domains and really aligning on on those together with our business sponsors. That is, I think, a good achievement because that sets out the direction for us. So can you tell me a little bit more about that, the art of the possible? Right. How do you bring that to people who have no background uh, in AI or in data analytics and who maybe haven't really seen examples? Yeah, so uh, I, I see that as a big part of our mission, really, to understand, really understand where we want to go as a business and marry that together with what is the art of the you know possible coming from the analytics world. So that is that requires a bit of an understanding of what's happening around the world when it comes to I don't know customer interactions or risk etc. So really following up what's going on in the world of the analytics, picking up the examples from other companies as well. But also we are doing uh, we are doing things like the POCs and tests and proof of concepts uh, for each of these domains to see you know if if you use a different approach compared to more traditional techniques, what will be the impact in terms of conversion rates or, you know, the, uh, what will be the change, what will be the impact on the, uh, on the uh, objective function of that, that functionality. So you really show them what's going to change if they follow this path or what could change? Uh, yes, where possible. And, and, and there are also cases where we use examples from outside world. We just have uh, discussions around uh, uh, where, what could be the, the vision uh, of different components, how they fit together in that uh, function area. Um, and that is really, yeah, the dialogue that, that, that we see is very critical in bridging basically the whole uh, uh, business strategy with, uh, with analytics capability. So that's what I call the art of the possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you think about your North Star, which is everyone at ING you know, thinks at least a little bit like a data analyst, mm -hmm. then the data that you use for that plays a huge role, right? And, and we all know that using data can be great, but it can also be, you know, you have to, you have to be careful with it too. So how do you deal with that at ING? Um, yeah, so the whole, um, what, what we call the model risk management area is, is, is very um, important and we are putting a lot of energy and effort into making sure that our models that are properly validated 
uh, with regards to their, you know, we, we classify them based on potential impact and we do apply different validation techniques uh, for the models. It can be uh, validated by separate teams. We also build alternative models sometimes to validate to run them as a champion challenger mode to validate uh, the results of the models. Um, but also with the idea that um, we document all the data that we use for training purposes and also for uh, development purposes. We have bias detection analysis on running on the models. One other thing is, and also model lifecycle management, so making sure that we properly retrain the models, uh, especially machine learning models need to be uh, retrained, and and also we, we do the lifecycle management when it comes to you know, replacing models and retiring models, etc. So so that area is, is very critical for us, not only because of regulated industry, but also as we want to base more of the decisions on models. Models. We don't want to end up in a situation that, you know, a few years from now on we find that there is a bias in one of the models or there's, you know, some defect in the data that we use. So we have teams of people basically working on just uh, just for model risk management. Yeah. Okay. So when you think about all these use cases that might be possible, what are the things that you feel are really going to affect the customers of ING? Yeah, so what we want to do for, uh, I mean, our, our mission for our customers is really uh, personalize all our interactions and make banking frictionless for them, almost invisible. So if you, if you think about that, so so a lot of the personalization is coming from, you know, really understanding about the customer preferences and customer background. So we do it. Uh, things like massive A-B testing, we do things like uh, life stage segmentation uh, to understand you know, the life stages of the customer. We do moments of truth analysis to uh, models to basically identify when is the right moment to, to basically reach out to a customer with, uh, with what offer. And we are also working on communication orchestration models, uh, which are going to help us to help the customers to basically uh, by, by reaching them with, with the right channel at the right time. So that basically combines the preference of the customer, either through mobile or it can be through you know face-to-face -face interaction or branch interaction or a call center interaction with the right kind of uh, proposition. So personalized, frictionless, and timely interactions. And I think also in frictionless part, um, um, the models that we are building also for um, you know chatbots, voice assistants, but also for the operations area when you have customer service requirements coming in. So really taking the human out of the loop in those, and and really being there in the way that customer wants to interact with us in a you know always available fashion uh, is 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 going to be very important. So to make that tangible, for instance, yeah. I'm looking at houses right now, mm -hmm. and what could happen is I open my ING app, and automatically a robot or AI serves me a great mortgage offer. Is that sort of what we're thinking about? Yeah, not only that, yes, and, and? not only that, right? So also when you, when you want to buy a house, first of all, when you start thinking about a house, is it the right time to buy a house? Where is the right neighborhood to look at? What are the you know trends around the different uh, uh, neighborhoods and so on? So we are... We are building a lot of data capabilities to help our customers to even at the consideration phase to think about what is the best journey, what is the best time to go for a house. But also at the end of the process, so buying a house in, can be you know, the mortgage process and buying a house can be a cumbersome process for our customers. So now we are working on, on instant mortgages processes where we can immediately, you know, instantly make a decision and also finalize the, the process end-to-end -end completely digitally 
and without even you know not having to spend days and weeks on on the process. So we have examples of these in um, in in different markets, and we are really bringing together to, uh, to 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 all our customers around the world. So I wouldn't have to go to my job anymore and get sort of the the form that they're paying me. I wouldn't have to go to my um, my municipality. All those things you would handle digitally. For me. Yes, and a lot of that data, if you think about, it, is actually available digitally. Uh, so in in True. in in either social security uh, institutions or in in public institutions, also sometimes in utilities companies, a lot of data is there. So what we are really doing is actually putting those data sources together digitally, but also making sure that we uh, apply things like uh, you know NLP and so on again to to whenever there is non-digital data that we can digitize it. Um, but also things around, you know, pricing decisions, mortgage underwriting decisions, or credit decisions that we can do instantly, without having to go to through a you know a face-to-face interaction or without having to visit a branch or a physical channel. And I can imagine, you know, spreading this and making sure all those 120 use cases get picked up at some point, so everyone sees the value of it. That it's going to take quite a big team. Um, uh, yes, so we are expanding the teams as well. So we have a team of uh, about 80 data scientists, data engineers, and machine learning engineers, and we have, in addition to that, about 150 uh, data analysts around the organization. We are building a new centers in Warsaw in, and also in Madrid to increase that number. Yeah, and there is a lot more. So I think the potential is, is there. Uh, yeah. We see a lot of the demand and good quality use cases coming up, so that makes me very happy. And as we are also ramping up the capacity, but also, you know, increasing the efficiency of what we do is very important. So we discussed about the data part, so data availability will, which will hugely impact. But we are also improving our analytics platform, um, and the, you know, speed and capacity of that platform will also increase our efficiency. So it's, we are both working on capacity and also efficiency part of it. Yeah, so you're also working on doing more by doing less. Yeah. And the capacity part, that's in a market, a job market that is maybe the tightest in, in the world right now. How do you attract data scientists to your team at ING? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, although ING has a, a good brand recognition and employer positioning, um, uh, it's still challenging because there's simply too much demand. Uh, and we picked those locations, as I mentioned, Warsaw and Madrid, on purpose because uh, these are the areas that we see good supply of talent. Uh, we have a good brand recognition and we can tap into those talent markets in Europe. Um, and what we are doing is that we are doing a lot of partnerships with uh, with universities. Uh, we are being more active in the communities uh, in where we are active uh, to do more recruiting uh, from you know uh, from schools and so on. Uh, so it is it is it is a challenge, uh, but at the same time I think compared to most other legacy organizations or, or let's say uh, uh, older organizations, yeah. I think we have a, we have a good position. And how do you compete with the newer organizations, the Google Brains and Netflix? of the world yeah I think um, the nature and the the kind of the diversity of the challenges that we bring are broader than most of those organizations can bring so so we have people who are of course going to the organization that we mentioned like Google and Amazon but also people coming from those organizations to us so uh, and the feedback that we see in general is that you know when you go to one of the, the technology companies, you basically get to specialize in a very narrow area field. Uh, you can go really deep and you can become an expert in area. Whereas in a, in a bank, uh, you can do a lot more uh, diverse use cases. Um, 
and the impact is also oftentimes more visible because you see immediate impact on a, on a customer basis, right? So, so, so it's a matter of I think what people want to do. Uh, I think I think we, as I said, as a bank, we have also advantages in what we can offer compared to tech companies. And when you think of all these possible use cases, both for customers and internally, and sort of stripping away the business value part, but coming back to your, you know, your background as a data scientist, what is the one thing you're just really excited to tackle? Yeah, I don't know why. I think I'm really excited to tackle all the um, the, um, the ethical discussion. So, so the ethics, the bias detection, the whole um, uh, you know validation discussion. So that is, I think, I I, f I find that is probably gonna going to be the single single biggest determinant of success of AI in the future. So, so you know, putting the right structures in place for for that today is really close to my heart. Um, one second area I think is the, this whole movement around the, this driverless AI, auto ML kind of capabilities. So I see a lot of uh, new things coming up around uh, democratization of, of analytics. And that's really exciting because, you know, in combination with everything that we discuss around the academy and so on, we can, you know, we can come to an, a model where we don't have to hire uh, more data scientists, and we can just scale up across the organization with uh, with this uh, this this kind of skills. And we recently launched uh, uh, something called a model factory in the Netherlands. It's really our own version of uh, of AutoML, uh, where basically anyone who has got some data affinity can go and work with uh, data science models. Right, a low code AI, basically. Exactly, and I see that moment also very very fascinating. So. Um, I think combination of that together with the whole ethical discussion and the bias discussion will be uh, very interesting to follow. So your North Star today is that everyone has a basic data literacy and understands the value of it. And it sounds like your North Star maybe after that is that everyone is a data scientist. I think that's where we are going to, we are going to indeed, right? So if you think about the organizations 20 years ago and think about how, how much IT and technology was involved in a bank, it was, you know, it was mostly seen as an infrastructure function. Um, in 20 years, we came a long way that organizations are now working in agile fashion. All the, uh, you know, uh, the teams we have have some, at least one form of technologies, maybe two or three different roles embedded in everything that we do. I think it will be the same for, for data science, probably even faster than what happened for technology. So soon we will see uh, in each squad data science skills and probably a lot of, you know, everyone around the organization would also have some good understanding about data science. Very exciting times for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Check out all the episodes in the series via ing.com or bnr.nl slash money2020.